This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast revisiting television, sci-fi, fantasy, and everything in between. This week, Kolchak, the Night Stalker, episodes 13 and 14. During World War II, close to this very spot, science bore a child that changed the course of human relations, and to this day threatens to end human history. It was called, innocuously enough, the Manhattan Project. And it grew into the terror we all have come to know as the hydrogen bomb. But this year, only a stone's throw from here, science delivered a new child. Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast with the historical significance of the Manhattan Project. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? Where'd you have your lunch, Saskatoon, Canada? (laughs) Rare shout out to Saskatoon. I know, big, big call out to Saskatoon. I'm sure it was in the papers at the time. <laughs> you don't really notice one thing that's annoying that Canadians do, and maybe it's just because of the way our, our country's populated, is if you ask someone in the States, where are you from? They'd say, uh, Chicago, Illinois, or they'd say, St. Louis, Missouri, or whatever it is. But you ask someone and they go, Ottawa, Canada. I'm like, it's not Ottawa, Canada. You're from Ottawa, Ontario. We never say the province. Did you notice that? I've never. You do mean in, inside of Canada? Yeah, like if so, if you're somewhere else or you hear someone say where they're from, they always say Canada as if that is like there's oh, like no outside, regional difference outside of the country. Yeah, yeah, I, I that's I think people don't know anything about Canada. Right, right. I think everyone's just like, well, you don't know where this is. Right, like Vancouver, Canada. I'm like, you can say BC. Yeah, I think I think there's gonna be like, and where is that? <laughs> right, right. It's it's to stop the secondary question. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to answer any more questions about this topic. <laughs> Anyways, I don't know why that's irritating to me, but it is. Just add it to the list. You just want Canada to have a bigger impact on the national stage. Yeah. Give us a little respect. Come on, <laughs> Saskatoon. Get no respect. No respect. <laughs> I can't remember if I've ever talked about this on the podcast or with you before, but I, w- I lived in Regina, Saskatchewan for a period of time. Mm-hmm. And while I was there on the popular television program, Madman, 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 yeah. No, there's more than one. Um, they uh, referenced Regina, Saskatchewan in the episode, and that was on the front page of the paper the next day. Oh, was it? They went nuts? They went nuts. They're like, did you hear they said our name on the TV? Yeah. If there's uh, one bit of uh, uh, Canadian culture is we love being noticed by Americans. <laughs> so much so. <laughs> well, Jordan, I guess before we get into this week's episode... I think you've got a little fan fiction for us, right? I do. I went looking this week, well, mostly yesterday, if I'm being honest, to look at different sort of fan fiction. And you hear one thing. I couldn't find any slash fiction. And I'm sure it's out there. I'm oh, sure like there's Vincenzo and Kolchak kissing? I, yeah, I couldn't seem to find anything. So if anyone can find it, I'd love to read it. But I did go through. And one interesting thing, Luke, is there seems to be three sorts of Kolchak fans that write this fiction. And okay. you have the... The, the people who love the original show. Makes sense. People who love the 2005 show. Oh, I forgot there was another yeah. that reboot. Right, right. And people who love the comic book. Because they'd write it and they'll be like, this is comic book continuity. Or this is 2005 <laughs> continuity. And I'm like, oh, wow. Very specific. But I did find two stories that I think are not too long to read. And there's a lot of also um, people have written like addendums to episodes and stuff. Or like this should happen in between the episode. They'd be like... Like, I wrote a 300-word story of, like, what Vincenzo was doing while Kolchak was out. Like, really weird little things. Um, I, mean, I didn't I'll, pick I'll those. I'll tell you what. 
I love that idea. <laughs> yeah. But there, there's quite a quite a bit of it. But I did find two stories, and I'll let you pick which one you'd rather hear, just based on the title. I'll tell you one. I, I've only very, very vaguely skimmed these. One I'm pretty sure is a little bit sexy, and one I'm pretty sure has an alien. So I don't want to don't tip your hand either way, but the titles to choose from are either Love Does Not Judge or <laughs> Pain Most Human. Which, whatever for me, that sounded like a uh, like a Star Trek Next Generation sort of title, didn't it? Pain Most Human? Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. It's like a data episode. It's either a data episode or a Worf episode. You know, it's been a long time since we've had a fan fiction reading, so this is very exciting for me. I mean, I can't speak to the quality of these because, again, I haven't read them. So, uh, as per usual, I apologize ahead of time. Any stumbles are because of the person's writing, not my reading ability. <laughs> oh, uh... I I want to hear the sexy one. Let's go with uh, love. Uh, love does not judge. I assume. Imagine that's the alien one. <laughs> I don't think it is, but that would be good. Imagine if the sexy one was pain most human. Okay, this person is named uh, D Takers Girls. Girls is spelled with a U. That's the the writer of this story. Bear with me, and Luke, please stop me at any point if you need clarification or uh, any notes along the way. Great. Carl Kolchak felt happier than he ever than he could ever really remember this beautiful young asian woman <laughs> oh, no. oh no i didn't know this, <laughs> this this beautiful young asian woman actually loved him loved him she smiled at him, up at him he eyes glowing in the, oh this is gonna be bad he eyes glowing in the darkness of the bar he met her a few weeks ago in the same bar before they were both nearly killed by thugs who wanted her for healing powers she could heal wounds and ease pain, both physical and emotional. Oh, physical and emotional. That is very helpful. Those are helpful, yes. If you had to choose, Luke, what would you choose, physical or emotional? I mean, I'd probably go physical because it's probably a more marketable skill set, but uh, emotional is what the world needs. <laughs> okay, I agree with you, physical. I loved you from the second you walked into the bar. I could feel your pain, and I've never felt this kind of pain coming from a person. I want you to be happy, Carl. You deserve it, he smiled back at her. That's what she was saying, but... Anyways, it's just written weirdly. I love also, you too. Let me ask you this, Jordan. Yeah. You could walk into any bar and sense if someone is in like drastic emotional pain. There's no way you're walking to the one in the most drastic emotional pain and be like, you're the one for me. Yeah. Well, and also like you'd be like Deanna Troy, just like, oh, I'm overwhelmed by all the sadness in this bar. Which, which one of these guys is the most chill? I'm going to go talk to him. <laughs> um, so he responds, I love you too. You made me so happy. He raised one hand, caressing her cheek. You're so sweet and kind and beautiful. It's the wrong you are. He leant down, placing a delicate kiss on her lips. They wrapped their arms around each other, and the kiss deepened. Carl had her back against the wall. This is a public bar. Well, here's also, let me just mention, in all the episodes we've seen of Kolchak, there's been not an ounce of sexuality, really, from him, right? I will note, in the two TV movies, he almost always was paired with a woman who was like 10 to 20 years younger than him. That was his romantic lead, which I was glad they did away with in the TV show. So this is a real throwback to those movies. Right. Carl had her back pressed against the wall of the table they'd been sitting at, nearly grinding against her. She broke the kiss (laughs) and tapped him on the shoulder. Wait, imagine Darren McGowan (laughs) grinding against someone. (laughs) We have an audience, she whispered. He turned slightly to see people were staring. He turned the front. He turned toward the front of the bar. Kolchak tipped his hat. Thank you. Next showings will be Friday and Saturday night. He could hear Yit giggle. I guess that's her name. Yit. Yit. Y Y I T T. They walked outside into the blistering cold Chicago night. 
The snow was crunching under their feet as they walked down the street. It's too cold here during winter, she shivered. Carl pulled her against his chest as they walked. Where are we going, she asked, her voice muffled by his jacket. I don't know. Oh, sorry. I don't know, should be comma. Your place? She looked up and shook her head no. I was brought to Chicago when I was a teenager and raised by nuns in a monastery. He looked down at her. He looked down so, at her. Gavin, Darren McGavin's like four feet tall. Unrelated. The way this is written is they'll have one person talk, and instead of like he said or she said, it's the opposite person they have, like <laughs> they refer to. So it's very confusing to read. Um, yes, and also she's apparently uh, very short. I was brought up. I was brought to Chicago when I was a teenager and raised by nuns in a monastery. He looked down at her. So you don't have a home? She nodded. Oh, he said that. He was. Is that is that canon? He was raised in a monastery. Th- that's Mr. apparently what he was saying. He wasn't brought I, to Chicago. He lived in Las Vegas. Guess what? That's what this thing says. It's canon. So you don't have a home, she nodded. You're staying with me then. Again, the wrong you're. You're staying with me then. I have an apartment a few blocks from here. It's not much, but I call it home. They walked the five blocks to his apartment. He spoke as they stood in the hallway. Now, by the way, again, not canon. We will never see his home, I don't think. I will say, that is. I, I was thinking about it the other day. I'm like, when are we going to see Cole Jack's place? Never. It's never I happen. think he is. I think this story should be rewritten because he does not have a home. I think that's yeah. true. Now, it's a little messy, but I'll clean it up. She laughed. That's okay. I left the monastery for a while. It was living on the street. I won't. As she enter. She tripped over a small pile of undershirts. She looked down and around the small apartment. It's not that bad. I could have it clean in half a day. Yit sat down on the couch and Carl sat down beside her. They sat shoulder to shoulder on the small worn couch. Suddenly Kolchak was aware of a hand on his tight. On his tight? It must be thigh. It must be thigh. Okay, that makes more sense. Yit began slowly massaging his thigh. Okay, so it's a typo. Yit, he asked. She placed two fingers against his lips. Shh. I want to love you, Carl. You've had so much pain in your life. I want to show you love. All right. I just got to say this right now. Carl has it next to no pain in his life. <laughs> no, he's pretty unflappable too, right? Like, he, I don't think he, he carries trauma of episode to episode with he him. Does, yeah, he does not feel like a tragic figure to me in any way, shape, or form. So that's the end of the story. Well, I hated it. This is, yeah, I hated it too. This isn't really a Carl Kolchak story, right? This is not a, I mean... I mean, there's a, I, other than the fact she had some sort of supernatural power off the top, it really didn't come into play. This is uh, a lot, uh, a lot going because, on otherwise. Well, there's a lot of. I mean, obviously, there's some questionable at best material here, but that didn't even feel like Kolchak. I mean, the closest it came was when he told everyone sh- uh, the next show is at like seven o'clock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyways, you picked it. Well, I'm sorry, everyone at home. And Luke, let me just tell you, there was there's another one. Uh, there's there's another story called No Hope, and it's like a 300-word thing, and it's just Carl killing himself. Let's do that one. Let's cut this one out and put that one in his place. <laughs> Anyways, uh, and that's, uh, that's a little bit of fan fiction. Can you believe that wasn't published? Uh, remind me next time never to pick the sexy one. It was a huge mistake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me just tell you, let, let me just read you the first sentence. Of the, the alien story that you didn't show. It's all we're going to read. The alien looked up at Carl Kolchak with one eye. That's it. That's oh, the first sentence. I really missed out. Fuck, I <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> anyway, maybe next time. Well, let's get on with the show after that <laughs> terrible digression. <laughs> oh, that felt like it was like an hour. I mean, I re- now I, I guess this is why we haven't done fan fiction in a while. Eh? <laughs> yeah, no one is clamoring for it. Well, if you've survived that, we'll get to the episode now. 
Yeah, okay, here we go. Primal Scream. Here's the IMDb summary for episode 13, Primal Scream. Ancient cells discovered in the Arctic give rise to a carnivorous life form and a cover-up. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, that's, I don't know why that's funny, because it is pretty much this episode. Um, I don't know how you felt about this, because obviously we haven't spoken about it yet. I almost feel like every two episodes we watch, this is maybe uh, being a little bit more general. One's pretty decent and one's not very good. Um, I would argue this is the worst of the two that we're going to watch. And if only for how they structure this episode, because I think this show works the best when we have to figure out things with Carl. Like, you know, there's some weird twist and turns and it goes one direction and then you think it's one thing and then it changes and you go, oh, that's interesting. This particular episode does none of that. You know from scene one what happens and then we just have to watch for 50 minutes as we wait for Carl to catch up to where the viewer could have figured things out in scene one. Like, you know scene one what happened. Cells have become like a caveman and it's killing people. But then we have to watch him go through the motions and rather boringly go through the motions to figure out what this mystery is. Is that a fair point? I mean, I think there's a reasonable assessment of these two episodes. And like this one is, I think, more in the line of just like we've seen it several times. I I think compared to last week's episodes, I thought both of these were a bit of a step up. But I I don't think you're wrong. This is the most workmanlike and backwards formula. That's a good way of saying it. This is a very workmanlike episode. And it feels like a mid-season filler episode. Like it's like, yeah, we have a couple episodes to do. Let's just throw in a caveman. Yeah, it fits. It fits like it even opens with like a very, a very typical opening on Kolchak, where the scientist comes back to his lab and is violently beat to death as a, <laughs> as a monkey man jumps out of a refrigerator. <laughs> but correct me if I'm wrong, Luke. This seemed to have the most, uh, like 1970s freeze frame action sequences. Yeah, they I don't know remember them doing that. that before. We haven't seen it since I think uh, the caveman, or not the caveman one. This is the caveman one. The uh, the wolfman one. Oh, did they do it then too? I believe there was a wolf, a good freeze frame of the Wolfman one. Yeah, so it's like clearly like covering up not very good fight choreography, but sort of like we start with this scientist who's, um, we get the voiceover that he's been gone at, I think it was a conference. So he's been gone for quite some time, comes back to his lab. And then while he's there, he hears something. And basically this ape type man jumps an attack and we kind of do a freeze frame. Yes. That's basically what we get in the first scene, right? Yes, yes, that's exactly it. And where does he work, Jordan? Oh, uh, uh, you know, I don't know if I where my note is. What was the place called? Oceanic International Oil, otherwise known as OIO. <laughs> yeah, that's right. O-I-O. I love when they started calling it OIO. Yeah, that's good. Um, at any rate, of course, Kolchak. Then uh, he, as as I think is usual for these these kinds of Kolchak episodes, he's there at the media scrum that happens at the crime scene every time. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, it's a little odd that this body's arm has had it been like completely torn off. I don't think you guys are telling me the full truth. And of course, he sees like a broken sample container in the inside of the freezer unit. And like this sort of puts him off on the adventure, figuring out what exactly happened. Mm-hmm. And I should say, it's interesting that this weird juxtaposition of really terrible fight choreography, but mixed with them talking about how incredibly brutal the attack was because the attacks are so clumsy and silly. And then as we're going to learn in these all these episodes, like this creature is supposed to be so scary and so powerful and so vicious that's ripping limbs off. But when you actually see the the action, it's like a guy in a bear costume, like pushing people. <laughs> I mean, always an issue Kolchak has. They they want it to be more violent than they can, like not even yeah. that they're like sensor wise can do. Just I think they're like not capable of going any better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but yes, you're right. He's he's sort of suspicious, which sets us off. But again, 
the information, everything you need in the episode's already there. It's a scientist working on, like, within a scene, I think we find out that. Yeah, well, what happens is he goes to visit the, he gets to meet the, with the public relations VP of OIO. Yeah. And this is where this guy kind of explains that, like, the doctor is one of two people who works at the oil company's biology division. Um, and they they study... Core samples. Core samples. Like, they're, like, not the first people to get it, but eventually the core samples they take from the Arctic, the North American Arctic, come back to them. They have a look and see if there's anything interesting biologically in them. And in mm-hmm. these particular cases, they, they found material that can be millions of years old, as he's saying. So he's just, but he's just like, you know, it's, it's, it's couldn't have been anything too crazy because, like, he was at a conference the last few weeks. And before he went to that conference, his assistant was in a car accident. So she's been out of the office for a few weeks. So, like, no one's been in that office for weeks. At this point, I was kind of hoping what might actually happen. It was kind of like a bit of a thing sort of episode. Where it's it's going to get contained and it's going to be something that they, you know, in this incomprehensible thing that's taking over and stuff. Which you've seen a million times and the reason you've seen a million times is it's fun. Yeah. And especially when you know characters, it's fun to watch them in those sort of scenarios and, and judge each other. No, and this is kind of, it. this is very funny because even like this, like I, the idea of... Kolchak having to investigate an oil company in the set. Like, you know, that's a great, that's a great start off premise, but it really goes nowhere. It's like this basic setup is just to get them this missing link, basically. Yeah. Um, and like Kolchak, of course, goes to the hospital where that woman was injured and like, you know, does he does something we've seen a million times. He sneaks into her room by helping someone with a big plant so he can hide, you know. Yeah. All of this is very much things we've seen before. The woman there explains that he's just like, yeah, those the core samples we were looking at before we all like got hit by cars or went to the conference. Uh, it was uh, it was full of cells, and we thought the cells were dead, but they came to life and started reproducing. So we put them in the freezer to stop them from reproducing. Yeah. But as we'll learn, the freezer broke down while they were gone. And that's- yeah, I love I love that the, the freezer in a medical lab that's dealing with very sensitive and valuable materials doesn't have some sort of backup system like you know a hospital does i was just like okay i know you need it for the episode but it's just funny that they didn't have any sort of real reason for that whereas they needed to get the other the doctor you're talking about the one in the hospital they needed to get her away because you needed no one to be there when the fridge broke down so the guy that gets killed obviously can't be there so they have to have the other doctor away so they're like oh yeah she was in a car accident they wrote that away, but they couldn't figure out anything else for the fridge. I know. It's very I mean, that's what the VP of public relations, which is such a weird person for him to have to talk to, is, is, is he explains, like, we don't really put a lot of stock into our biology department. So we don't, yeah. like, there's only two people who work there. So I guess they just that's don't right. check up on it very much. Yeah, yeah. Of course, this monkey man is on the loose, and, and we'll see him kill <laughs> Let's again. Let's call him monkey man. But this is my favorite kill of the, of the entire episode is, like, there's this whole, like, Carl monologue about... This, this photographer got home from work and he put on the yes. television to watch a TV show, but he didn't know the entertainment he was going to get. That's not quite what he says, but that's the Kolchak monologue. And this guy's just standing there with a big window behind his apartment. <laughs> and just a full monkey man just leaps to the window and we freeze frame. It's like, he's dead, I guess. It's that great 1970s kind of like like sugar glass that just like, it doesn't quite look right. And the action's this freeze frame. It just, this episode is is bad in a show that doesn't do action very well. Like this one's particularly bad and it's it unintentionally funny. I will tell you right now, because we're going to see this monkey man break glass constantly <laughs> through this episode. <laughs> and I will say, I realized something I really like in these shows is the action is always a little better to me if someone gets thrown through a window. There's just something <laughs> about it that's exciting and stupid. Um, yeah. And like, I'm just realizing that one thing Kolchak's really good at is people get tossed through windows constantly. all the time. 
one thing I noticed, Luke, was they mentioned how young the reporter is. I think they said he was like 27 or something like that. And I mean, we're not telling tales out of school, but neither you or you or I are 27. And I looked at the guy and I know it's that thing where you just see from like other time periods. I'm like, this guy looks like 20 years older than me. <laughs> how is, is he 27? You look back and these people who are like, they're like, uh, Abe Bogota was 30 when he shot this. It's like, he looks 75. <laughs> I know. That's what it was like. I was like, that guy's 27? Anyway, I was actually uh someone i think it was maybe c chupek on twitter put out even sent me like a photo of uh or like a link to um darren mcgavin had been in a uh what's it called Ham- mike hammer do you know mike hammer the detective mm-hmm. it's like a det- series of detective novels and then stacy keach played him in the 70s oh, okay yeah yeah yeah. stacy keach nice uh but apparently carl kolchak or darren mcgavin did it in the 50s oh a whole series is the detective in the 50s 1958 to 1974 doesn't age one iota. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's that like Steve McQueen thing where you're like, was he forty his entire life? It's it's crazy. It's crazy to me. Anyway, moving on. We can talk about how old everyone is forever. Colchak, <laughs> um, he you know he goes to this crime scene and like, this is one thing I kind of liked about it is like when he gets there, the cops have arrived. They've shot and killed the monkey man, so they've yes. killed the monkey man. The monkey man is now dead, and. Like, one of the neighbors is just like, yeah, yeah, I saw the body. Like, uh, it looked exactly like a gorilla, but uh, I don't know, kind of weird from the side, so maybe like a monkey man. But uh, something I liked is usually, up till now, all these Kolchak villains are usually unstoppable murder yeah. machines. They can't be killed by bullets. But I did, like, like halfway through this episode, the police have shot and killed the monkey man, and it, I was just like, oh, that's unusual for the show. It's funny you say that because I hadn't really put that together, but in my head I was like, Oh, I'm. I think the cops are lying, because I just assumed you couldn't shoot and kill him. No, and I mean, I know why you think that because there's going to be more monkey men in the episode, just because they have to keep the episode going. But I, it was just the one thing I was like, oh, how unusual! They've actually done something. Oh, and I should say the captain in this episode. I only recognize the actor. I don't know what his name is. Um, but I only recognize him because he plays Jack Walsh in The Godfather. Oh, and really? He's he's the guy who um uh uh gets the horse in the the bed he's that guy <laughs> so and his voice is just so ingrained in my head from seeing that movie so many times that uh, every time every scene he was on i was just like ah it's that old jack walsh anyway <laughs> anyway uh i think my i think what is a weird scene in this episode but might have ended up being one of my one of the ones i like the most of it is uh, kolchak returns to oio kind of he he wants to go see that vp of pr again to like you know, really be like, ah, oh, this, this, I, I, the monkey man was killed. What's really going on in the biology department? Um, but it's a fun scene because he goes, and it's that classic scene where you show up and the the assistant won't let you in the office. He says, yeah, like, he doesn't have time for you. There's no time. And Kolchak's like, well, I'll make time for him. And Kolchak like walks past her and like throws open the doors, and like the room is empty. And she's like, yeah, I told you, he's not here. Yeah, it, it was funny because it, it is that thing where like, you know. I'm going to push my way through and, and make a point. It's like, there's no point to make. Yeah. It, to, that was a nicely executed scene. It got a little weird. And this is something they've been doing in the last few episodes. I know exactly what you're going to say. Where Kolchak, like he now just decides he's going to like harass this assistant a little. He's not going to leave. He's going to stand over top of her as she does her job, like answering calls, taking calls. And he starts like sniffing her hair and being a real weirdo. There was a point where I wasn't sure. And Luke, you tell me what you think. She stands up at some point and he kind of makes like a like a, a weird well, look. And I didn't know if she he was like 
leering at her or if it was because she was so much taller than him well that's just the turn is he goes over and he kind of really looms over her and he's trying to be really imposing but i don't know what for what reason this woman's just doing her job and like the guy's not here and like sniffs her hair and the woman's like <laughs> clearly like off put by the by way this have you man. ever just sniffed someone's hair no never no me neither who does that it's insane um but it was the it was a turn at the end of this that i kind of liked is that like what happens is she then turns around and she looks at him and she stands up out of her chair and she is taller than Kolchak. Mm-hmm. She's a taller person than Kolchak and Kolchak is immediately cowed. Like he immediately cowers in front of her and it's just like, oh, you're, you're so much bigger than me. I guess I should go. Yeah, it's weird. But he also there's also um, uh, I think only maybe the second time where we've had him like he kind of checks her out or something like it's a little bit weird. And I don't know if it's just the weird pyrodynamics between a, a, a man and woman or what it's supposed to be. I think what he's put at the end, cause she stands up and they shoot it from that very conspicuous, like high angle, low yes. angle to put him. And I think the idea is, is like when he does like look up and down her, I think he's realizing he's outclassed. Like he's going right. to get beaten up. I think like, I think what they're trying to do is do a joke, which is weird to do with your lead character to be like, and eh, he's being a creep. And then she stands up to him and he's afraid of her. Like his creeps are, are like chickens and i'm like it's a funny gag but so weird to do with your yeah least yeah character. anyways hey uh, no i should say and uh is it now it's it's around here where we get a scene where he goes back to the office and ron for one of the very few times gets a real scene oh no what sort of it's so this episode is like i think you're right in a lot of ways it's so weird like he'll leave her office and he'll go back down to the biology lab where the police are now back again because someone else has smashed a window. And what we're going to learn is like another monkey man has snuck out of the fucking lab. Yeah. They're just growing monkey men in this, this unplugged refrigerator. Yeah. Although I think the highlight of this episode is in a few scenes later down the line, Kolchak's going to go back for like the third or fourth time to this lab. And he's going to, there's going to be a container open that had uh, clearly some sort of cells in it. And what you, it almost looked like is like an uncooked chicken in the, in the container. And it's, it's supposed to clearly represent, uh, these it's uh, like an embryo uh, i think they say yes and it's uh, but it's but it's quite large and it's growing and it it is the best visuals on this episode because it's gross looking oh yeah that was great i know well that's the thing they just keep going back to this lab and there's just more and more monkey no one's plugged the fridge back in <laughs> that's true no one has they're like that was a problem anyway it's, it's not like the oil company's releasing these monkeys on purpose they literally just haven't plugged that fridge back in so all these core <laughs> samples are just spawning monkey men <laughs> Luke, you describing it is so much better than the actual episode is. Well, and this is like, uh, like, and this is kind of the only fun that was in this. It was like this next monkey man's free. It goes and finds this. There's just a, a truck delivering like huge slabs of meat, like you know the kind yeah. you'd punch if you were a boxer. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And which uh, is, by the way, that's terrible. That's just asking for trouble for monkey men. Just yeah, yeah. having those pieces of meat just hanging. That monkey's just hungry, and it goes in there, and all we hear is like a little like ooh ooh ah ah, and then what yeah. we see is the driver of the of the of the truck get thrown through another window. Yeah, and it's, so but again, you're mentioning it's funny because everyone kind of goes through the window like like a serialized Superman. Like everyone's just Superman and right through that window. It's wonderful. Yeah. And Kolchak, of course, hears about a report on the radio. He he heads there. He gets there in time to see the monkey man running away. I think he tries to get a photo. But like that cop, the one with the uh, horse head in his bed, yeah. he he sees it and he grabs Kolchak's camera and like stomps it to bits. Yeah, that's right. And then Annie's like, "Oh, did I break your camera?" Like classic, like uh, Kolchak and their uh, theme of police corruption is yeah, uh, yeah. is quite strong. And, although this time Kolchak's just like he's not going to take it, so he goes to the police station and he's just to like, file a report. 
Yeah, he's gonna, I'm gonna file a report. You smashed my camera. And when the cops are a little bit like snarky with him, he's like, "All right, well, I'm gonna break into your office and steal the autopsy photos of that first monkey man you shot." Then, yeah. Which again, I like all these elements on their own. I like the idea of Carl breaking into getting files. I like the idea of him going to interview people in the hospital and going to the lab yeah, and yeah. finding stuff. It's just that it's like as you said, it's so workmanlike, and it just feels like here's things we have to do to get to the point. But again, the viewer already knows. Like we should mention, the episode hasn't explained at this point to the viewer that the cells are becoming become monkey this man. monkey man. We don't know that. <laughs> You're supposed to not know that, but you knew it from scene two. So it's just like, uh, when is Carl going to catch up? I also like he steals those photos of the original monkey corpse. And then as he leaves, that detective catches him leaving the office. And we know Carl like folds them and put them in his, in his jacket pocket or he put them somewhere yeah. in his body. And the cop pats him down and doesn't find them. And I was waiting for Kolchak to be like, it's because I hit like I thought he was gonna pull them out and show the audience where he had hid them and how he got away with them. We never see like I'm like where, like I, we never see where he. Hid. I thought the exact same thing because he walks down the hallway. I was sure he was gonna pick up his hat and have it on the top of his head. I was sure it was set up to be such a gag where he like because we're like oh well, he's gonna find them. He just put them in his jacket and he doesn't. I'm like all right well where where did he have them hidden? It's just like it, it, it was in his underpants. We just didn't show you. I think what it is is the cop is just terrible at p- patting people down. I guess so. I mean, he didn't know he's looking for photographs, so. <laughs> yeah. But yes, this is this is when we finally get back to what actually what I thought was a very refreshing scene in this episode at the INS office with his yes. coworkers cuz he gets there, Vincenzo's ecstatic. They have m- pictures of a monkey man. They have a story mm-hmm. about this oil company that created a monkey man, and Vincenzo's like, "Get this on the wire right now." Vincenzo's like supporting Kolchak. It's very supportive. He's like, "Let's get this out there." And as they're sending the story on the wire, the New York office basically cancels the story. They basically send a reset, like a cancel, resend this story over the wire. And like, the, and like Vincenzo's furious. He's like, I can't believe they're like kiboshing this great story. We have all the evidence we need. And it's like such a rare moment on Kolchak for Vincenzo to be like, mm-hmm. they're supporting Kolchak. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. And they also did lean into the implication, which is this oil company or these lobbyists have been able to put pressure on the free press to stop stories they don't want. And the story they don't want is that they have accidentally created monkey people. And then this is what you were going to get into earlier. Ron right. comes out and has a great moment with Kolchak too. That I'm like, this is also like a great moment on the show, mm-hmm. but like apropos to nothing. <laughs> yeah. He's, he basically comes out and uh, what does he say? He's like, Oh, they probably, uh, they killed he, the story. He got because... a report from another That's reporter right. friend of his. Yeah, and there was there was a, a truck or some or train or some sort of storage uh, vehicle that had like circus animals or large animals, anyways. jungle animals, I believe you said. Yeah, and it, and the car broke down and they escaped, and so that answers what has been happening because clearly some gorillas or a chimpanzee or something has gotten out, and that answers. So there's not a big conspiracy. Well, I believe what he says is, uh, Ron says. My reporter friend says the animals that escaped were apes, tigers, and pie costs. And what what is that? About thirty five cents. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that that is literally the joke. Is he says that, yeah. and then Vincenzo asks, "What's a pie cost?" And he's like, thirty five cents. Yeah. And they and I think Vincenzo says, "That's an old Abbott and Costello bit." And Vincenzo storms off, mad that he's been he's been pranked by 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 Updike of all people, and Kolchak and Updike are just laughing their asses off. They're having a great time at the, like, pranked thing. Like, the two of them are yeah. having a great time. Yeah, and it's, you're right. This is 
one of the nicer moments in this episode and something I wish they did more of because I like them at the office and I think those characters don't get enough screen time. And I was like, oh, what a nice scene for for uh, old Ron. He doesn't get many. It's true. And there's this weird, there's also this weird subplot that like is apropos of nothing, but like Ron and Kolchak are fighting an episode about Kolchak parking at his parking spot. Yes, that was weird. So weird. Um, and one last thing. I'm going to talk about this office thing because all the stuff in the office is unrelated to anything. But gonna, there's one other thing in the office that uh, my partner Melanie noticed as I was watching it. She's like, she, she, she's like, what does that say over there? I'm like, what do you mean? And there's this piece of set deck you see for a split second as the camera moves across. But there's a coffee station set up at the INS office. Mm-hmm. And there's a sign above the coffee station. And so she's like, she, she's like, what did that say? And she paused it. We went back. And it says, coffee, 10 cents. Everybody pays, exclamation park exclamation mark this means you oh that's funny and i was just like i there's a lot of little details i really want to spend more time in this office and we don't get enough time in this office i agree and it, and there's no reason because he can do he could do some investigation at the office but regardless he's got to get out to back to this lab for the fifth time i mean that just it we got to get back out there because the monkey man's on loose it kills again some poor woman gets murdered by a monkey man now mm-hmm. and so kolchak's like i need to go talk to a biologist but as we all know universities are in the pocket of big oil so no university biologist will talk to him yeah and was this not a big waste so they go talk to a a uh he's not a professor what is he he's a high school teacher he's a high High school school biology teacher and so they talk to him and it's jamie farr i know jamie farr i knew you'd be so excited yeah and i was excited and i felt what a waste because he got one scene is this like he was on lunch during mash he was so good in it too he was good. And it was like, you. He, why didn't you have him be one of the larger roles? It was very bizarre. It, he, it's so great because he shows up and it's uh, like lunchtime at the school and he's playing a teacher who hates teenagers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a funny character. And he's also like annoyed and jealous of his colleagues in academia because the police are all talking to them about this loose monkey man. So when Kolchak shows up, he's like, I would love to consult you. He's just like, finally, somebody's here to consult me on this monkey man. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's a funny, it's an interesting character of, like, someone who has uh, the education and the experience and the uh, the training that someone, they should be the authority, but no one's talking to them. So he's just, he's pleased that someone will give him the time he thinks he's due. Yeah. And, you know, this is the classic uh, person who's going to explain the science behind what's happening. And he just sort mm-hmm. of explains that, like, they never say it explicitly, but basically imply that this is some sort of missing link in the, like... Yes. Like, like, which I think was a, there's a period of time where that was a real monster of the, of the week was the missing link. But like, that's essentially what's happening here. Mm-hmm. And then what I really needed explaining and w- they bring up in this scene, but never explain is they're just like, but how did the cells we found that were frozen suddenly morph into full grown monkey men? And Jamie Farr is just like, I don't know. I, uh, one time scientists found wheat and they could grow it. Maybe that has something to do with it. I'm just like, you guys can't hand wave over yeah. these monkey men who in a matter of weeks can grow from cells to full grown monkey men. Can you? Yeah. Because because that's not the concern of the show, right? They just wanted to get to monkey men. They're like, wouldn't it be cool if you accidentally dug up an ice core? There's cells in there. And those cells are the beginning, the the building blocks to life. All right. Anyways, they go, they go real fast now. Yeah. They make monkey men. Yeah. <laughs> anyway the really important piece he gets out of jamie farr is that these monkey men would likely live in caves given what time the period they came from in an episode of attacking monkey people that are grown rapidly out of cells the fact that they imply that biologically 
they are drawn to living in caves is the dumbest thing. It's so stupid. Well, this whole thing gets insane now because basically Kolchak's like, okay, so if they live in caves, I need to find a cave because I need a punk. I need a picture of these monkey men. And I'm just like, you don't. You have pictures of the monkey <laughs> yes. men. Also, this is the same thing. This is the same beat we've seen in, in similar episodes, which is, what was the one? Was it the vampire? He had to go to an old house because vampires only go to old houses. It's, none of it makes sense. Like, he has to go to these caves to get this picture. But he already has the story written. He already has pictures of it, so he doesn't need that. But it, the yeah. episode needs to continue, and that's the only reasoning they could think of to give him. Yeah. And then he's just like, and like, listen, I love this, and I, you'll be so shocked how much of this is close to accurate. But he starts monologuing about how he's going to head to the site of the old Chicago Stadium, which is torn down now, but the tunnels are still under the ground there. And these tunnels were where the Manhattan Project first did their atomic testing. Uh, which is partly true in that um, the some of the testing was done in Chicago under the University of Chicago in abandoned racquetball courts, and it like the the uh, the superconductor, the Fermilab superconductor in the states, is actually near Chicago. So all of this stuff is sort of true about the Manhattan Project and all this mm. stuff. The Manhattan Project has literally nothing to do with this monkey man, but we have to listen to a lecture about nuclear things. But it has nothing to do with this monkey man who grows. I know it's in the interesting Arctic. because when they mentioned that, I thought. Oh, they're going to somehow tie this like a la Godzilla to like sort of man's hubris and this uh, these nuclear, you know, disaster that, you know, what we've done to the environment has somehow created this. And it's like, nope, there's just tunnels. There's just tunnels. He just needs to find tunnels. And for some reason, we get a history lesson about uh, a half true history lesson about the Manhattan Project apropos of nothing to do with monkey man. <laughs> Anyways, it, it's, it's a way to get Carl down and uh, with a bunch of flares which I assume are in the back of his car. I will say this, though. He goes in these tunnels. We've seen him in tunnels. We've seen him in sewers before. I got to give the director of photography some credit here, is they shoot the entire sequence here with, like, these burning red, like, phosphorescent mm -hmm. flares, and it looks great. Yeah. Well, it like, looks... It looks um, unfortunately, it looks really cool and spooky, but when you see Monkey Man... It sort of kills the the feeling because he looks so hokey. It's just unfortunate. Yeah, that's it. It's like it looks great. It like it looks like it was really tense sequence. Like the mm -hmm. director probably did a great job shooting this thing with like a very unusual lighting source. It just like uh, why are they doing it with a monkey man? Why were they talking about the Manhattan Project? Like you know, it was just a yeah. bunch of disparate ideas like jammed together. Yeah. So he basically he lights the way with like four or five flares, and almost immediately monkey man comes. And Carl's sort of trying to calm him down um, because I think at one point it comes close and it maybe even touches part of the flare. And he's like, no, no, it's hot. Like, be careful. Yeah, he, he really tries to reason with the monkey man. And the yeah. monkey man's receptive. Yeah, at first. And then what spooks monkey man is as Carl's trying to, you know, reason and talk to him, the police show up. But it's shot in the weirdest way. It's like um, they show up. It spooks monkey man. Monkey man then like goes on on an attack I and do, starts like i do love them the cops turn the corner and the monkey man immediately starts mauling just mauling culture <laughs> yeah i should mention we've seen that it has like ripped limbs off people this thing is ruthless it's gonna like gnaw on his neck for like 10 minutes and like he's gonna get a couple scratches on his face but luke didn't you think it was weird how they filmed this like it's attacking carl and i think what they were going for was his viewpoint of him looking to the police to, to try to get saved but it's almost like it was all in slow motion they shoot it all in yeah. slow motion as they're getting closer it's like his but it's, it's post it's done in post which yeah. i hate i at first i thought what it was it was like his life was ebbing out of him and he needed rescuers to get there quickly and it just felt like it was taking forever 
but later he kind of mentions that they came with Trank guns. So I'm wondering if we're supposed to think he got shot with a Trank gun. So oh, was, maybe, maybe. I couldn't tell you, though. But it looked really weird. It was all very weird. And then, you know, it cuts and we come back after commercial break and to the conclusion. And it's so funny because you're right. Kolchak's barely hurt. And not only barely hurt, these people showed up, showed up. They tranked the monkey man. They dragged him out. They're going to do research on him somewhere. And the police just left Kolchak in the tunnels. Yeah. Yeah. And what's weird about this is like, he can just write the story. He has all, as you've mentioned, he has all the evidence. Well, and he's just like, and they took my camera again. I'm just like, you already have photos, Carl. You stole them earlier. You have photos of monkey man. It's fine. Yeah. So, and that's kind of how the episode ends. I will say like, there are things I liked about it. And I think it was better than the average version of these workman-like episodes. Cause there was a few, like, just the, like the, I like the lighting and I liked like that they could kill these ones as opposed to they're not unstoppable. But it is just a me- like it's a huge mess of an episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I don't know. We'll we'll talk about the scores later. I don't know if I agree with you. Fair enough. I mean, I yeah. We'll talk about the scores later. I suppose we'll get into it. Yeah. All uh, right. Episode fourteen, the Trevi Collection, which is I don't what a, a a dumb title for an episode. Oh, I love this title. Did you? Yeah. Do you yeah. like that title, the Trevi Collection? I like the Trevi Collection. Uh, here's the IMDb summary for it. Tuesday, May 2nd, 1 p.m. Mickey Patrick was a dealer, a snitch, a peddler of information. His clothes were as cheap as his reputation. So when he phoned me with some information to sell, I was surprised that he wanted to meet me in the heart of Chicago's shishi high fashion district. What started out as a mild surprise culminated in stark raving terror. Kolchak finds a witch in the fashion industry who's maiming and killing her competitors. I just came up with a better title, Luke. What? Witches be bitches. No, I don't like it. I like Trevi Collection. <laughs> um, so this one starts off. It's a it's it's a little fresher, a little newer. Kolchak's been invited to come to this high fashion district in Chicago by an informant he's worked with before, a gentleman named Patrick Mickey. Or sorry, Mickey yeah. Patrick. Can't get that confused. No, no. He's invited him to come to the Treve Salon during a fashion show of the new Treve Collection, um, and we'll actually get to see a fashion show kick off at the start where. Uh, uh, apparently we're told capes are back in. Yeah, that's right. And yeah, it's funny. So what it is, is he goes in, he's, uh, he's clearly out of place cause he's sort of his usual disheveled self. Everyone's all dressed to the nines. He tries to get contact with this guy, Mickey, Mickey, two Mickey times. Patrick. Yeah, that's the one. But, uh, he's, he's thwarted just because the show starts. So he has to kind of sit down and watch the, watch this fashion show, which we get for whatever reason, a much longer extended sequence than you would think we'd get. And while the informant goes off to go do stuff. I gotta say this though. I was thinking about this as I was watching this. It's not the first time we've watched a fashion show in a series. This, this uh, recently. What, what did we watch as well? Auto Man also had a fashion oh, show. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's night and day. Like, the Auto Man fashion show was so bad, like, so badly executed, as if someone had never seen a fashion show before, whereas this one felt authentic. I agree with you, because I actually thought at one point, these are actually interesting costumes that they're displaying. Like, one woman had this, like, um, face covering with this line down the middle. It's like and a then veil one, that covers her whole body. Yeah, and one woman had, like, almost, like, an owl-type hood thing, and I was like, oh, these are, like... These are legitimately uh, could be things that you would see in a fashion show. Yeah, and it's in a cool location, and it's like a full house for the fashion. It felt and I was watching just being like, "Auto man, what were you doing?" <laughs> yeah, but but the point of this is that Carl can't get to his informant um, because the fashion show's on, and he can't disturb it. And so this guy goes around the back to kind of, sp- I guess he's spying for some reason. I don't know why he's he also is getting more information. Yes, he's, he's upstairs 
backstage taking photos of basically the designs, taking photos of the... He's, he's doing a little industrial espionage. Mm-hmm. But as he does, the mannequins in the room start turning to look at him. It's funny how they do this because part of the mannequins... They're just mannequins, and they've just moved them around. So you have see mannequins some move a little bit. But then you have actors also acting like mannequins coming to life. So they try to cut it very quickly so you can't see the difference. Um, and I'll be honest, I didn't notice the actors at first. But it is that funny thing when you see them have to, like, just wheel a mannequin over to kind of look a little threatening. But it's just so incredibly still. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, these mannequins come to life very yep. quickly, very suddenly. And they throw him out of the four-story, like, up floor he's on like right through a window another glass smash you have to go through a window window. yeah but it's the the way he hits the car is like he just it's it's just shot in a not action way at all he's sort of just like laying on the car and they're like thump he's there you could really see the budget constraints like yes they did their best with the mannequins i think they did a pretty good job with the mannequins but you could also tell like the director really wanted him to smash on top of a car they're like now we can't break a car so just have him like gently lay down on top of a car (laughs) yeah yeah. and you know what's weird and did you think this was out of character i I, i'm still kind of on the fence about it carl comes down sees the guy and he's like huh anyways that's interesting and it's just like he has like I'm not saying he should have been heartbroken or like wailing or something because it's not it's no it's it's someone he sort of knows but his his reaction seems even cold or I should say more cold than you would think he would have am I wrong um I wasn't as bothered like he comes he he's stepping out of the building because he's like ah oh, I'm leaving this fashion show it's not for me and he sees the man fly out and then he walks up to the body he looks down and sees the camera that the man was holding is on the ground. So he scoops that camera up and walks away. So I felt like it was like he was like taking evidence. So he needed mm. to seem in, inconspicuous. Well, anyways, he takes these photos and then he goes to talk to some woman who we find, I guess, is a model that is subcontracted by this company in some way. Yeah, she's working for the Trevi, the Trevi Salon. The police have arrived. They're interviewing people and like, you know, Coltec's trying to get some information. And this one model's Madeleine is her name. She's... Mm-hmm. She's more than happy to help Kolchak if it means she'll get some publicity in the story. She's like, well, yeah, will I be in the story if I tell you what's happened? I'd love to help you. Yeah, she gives this, like, all this information about, like, past modeling gigs and stuff she does. The only thing that I really uh, noted was that she mentions that she raised a prize goat one time. Yeah, yeah, 4-H club. She was a winner. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she does tell Kolchak that, like, the cops are pretty sure that uh, Mickey Patrick was stealing designs for another design house and that... She's like, and he'd been dating one of the models who works with me here at the house. So, like, you know, it's not unusual that he was around and it seems like it was all a thing. She's just like, hey, why don't you come to this next photo shoot with me and maybe I can find Mickey Patrick's girlfriend and, like, we can get, and, you know, Kolchak goes on a little trip with her to the next fashion shoot and she's like, I don't see the girlfriend anywhere. Um, but unfortunately for this Madeline character, um, she gets a little bad news while she's waiting for the photo shoot to start. Uh, apparently the supermodel who's the center of the Treve campaign and this particular shoot with, I believe it's uh, Vogue International they're shooting for. Mm-hmm. Um, one, one of the directors of the photo shoot walks up to Madeline. She's like, hey, uh, FYI, the uh, supermodel who's our, like, you know, het, like the face of the organization. She thinks you and her look too much alike. So you're cut. You're out of here. Yeah. And Kolchak at this point is just like. Well, this lady's a flake. She's no help to me. Kolchak's really cold to her. He's just like, well, good luck, lady. And as he's walking out of the photo shoot, one of the models has brought a cat with her. A, a, different, a different model's brought her cat with her. And this cat leaps onto the supermodel and starts clawing her face to shreds. Yeah, and then jumps away. And it's so funny because it's also working with a cat 
in film, it's like, what a terrible idea. Cause this cat's not going to do what you want. And they like, you can see this cat does not want to be there. Um, but they, they imply that it really attacks. And, and obviously the importance of this being a model who her most important, uh, uh, asset is her face. And that is now being destroyed. Yes. I, my favorite part though is Kolchak literally walks by as a cat leaps on her face and he's just like, not my business. He just keeps walking. <laughs> he does seem colder in this episode. He's very interested, I think, in what happened to Mickey and very uninterested in the modeling world. I think he th- he's looking down on it for the most part. It takes him quite a while to get invested into the modeling subplot And at this point, he calls... We get, like, Kolchak calling some guy who's in a phone booth. But I, d- I didn't catch... Is this the guy who's, like, part of sort of the B-plot? He gets it's Kolchak actually gets a call from another informant, a gentleman named Murray Vernon. Right. He apparently has the same information that Mickey Patrick was trying to sell to Kolchak, and he's like, "I'll sell you the information if Mickey's dead. I'll, I've got the information for you." And essentially, what he's doing is he's like, "Hey, I want to sell you basically proof that there's a labor extortion racket being run by the garment union bosses." And this is what mickey patrick had and this vernon character now is like listen this is going on and like we've got all the all the information the evidence you need to expose it and like get a great story out of it by the way i should say you mentioned auto man before this overall plot line of like mafia extortion of like a fashion industry this is 100 percent an auto man plot line yeah because every auto man plot line was the mob is up to <laughs> exactly um but before they can arrange a pickup for this stuff um Murray Vernon is uh, killed in a drive-by shooting in the in the phone booth he's using. Yeah, that's right. Again, here it's a pretty it's a pretty weak execution of a drive-by shooting because I think I'm I I couldn't I can't guarantee you, but I think maybe the footage of the drive-by, like the car driving with the gun, was probably stock footage that they intercut with the man in the phone booth. But when he gets shot, like it, the actor just kind of is like, oh no, and kind of like slumps over. But there's no like bullet shots or. And I feel like the, whatever was happening is mid-season. This is, must have been like they're like, you've got a really strict budget on this one. Because they really didn't pull up many stops on it. You know who would have been great in that role? Remember um, when we watched that uh, Western horror thing? Oh, yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. And there was that, what was that, what was the line that guy had? That like thin, weird old guy? Thank you, Reverend. Yeah, thank you, Reverend. That would have been great if he was like, oh, no, I'm dying. <laughs> That's really a deep Help cut for anyone who's listened Jack. to previous episodes. <laughs> Anyway, Kolchak heads back to his office uh, after the death of uh, this Murray Vernon. He gets grabbed by some union goons as he's going in. And they're just basically like, hey, we want whatever evidence they have, Kolchak. We know you were talking to them. You better give it to us. And like, there's a, a like, I think it's supposed to be comic scene where like Kolchak's trying to negotiate a time frame with the other goon. And then like the third goon's like, yeah. listen, let's split the difference. You got 60 hours. Yeah, they're like they're like they want to give him twenty four hours. He wants seventy two hours, and they basically come up with a compromise. Yeah, and the only thing Kolchak doesn't have no idea what the evidence is. The only thing he has is the photos that um, old Mickey Patrick was taking, and the only thing on those photos are photos of clothing and mannequins. And he notices in one of the photos the mannequin's head turns, but even that's not like he's not still. He's just like I don't know what I'm going to do with this information. It's not even that, Luke. It's dumber. He notices that in the background, the shadows that the mannequins are projecting, they're at different angles. He right. somehow notices that in the photos. I was like, all right, sure. It's funny. It's funny. That's what he noticed because literally like 
in one photo and the next, one of the mannequins' heads is in a different position entirely. Yeah, but he he does mention he's like he's like the shadows seem like in different positions. That's funny. Well, and it's and it's funny they don't even think it's supernatural. He still thinks this is, has to do the like he just assumes the shadows are different because someone was in the room with Mickey. Right. And so he's yeah. just like, I need to go back. I need to get into this fashion into this into this fashion house, this Trevi salon because I feel like whatever's going on is happening there. So I need more information about it, and. It's a very small scene here because he's telling all this to basically Vincenzo. Him and Vincenzo are talking about it, how his life's been threatened. He has 60 hours to get this. And it's actually a really nice scene where Vin- Vincenzo's like, don't worry about the fashion stuff. You have to really, like, your life is in danger. You have to yeah. find this evidence. And Vincenzo gets, like, as he does, very worked up. And he's screaming at Kolchak. And Kolchak's like, nah, I'm going to the fashion house. Don't worry about it. And it's actually a really sweet scene where Vincenzo's so worried about Kolchak. Like, he, he's doing it where he's screaming, his heart's racing. He has to, like, hold his, like, he has to check his pulse. Like, he's, gonna, he's mm-hmm. like, I'm going to give myself a heart attack. Like, Kolchak's going to kill me. But it was one of the nicer character scenes between the two of them, I felt like. Yeah, it was good because you have that. He cares about him, but he also doesn't articulate that or display it in a the greatest way. But you know that these characters care about each other. Yeah, it's, it was an endearing scene that I'm like, it, it just goes to show, like, there's a lot going on between these characters that we don't get enough of. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, that night, another model is maimed to death. She's lobstered. Uh, yeah, she. This, this, the, I guess she was going to be the head of the Treve Collection's new show. And uh, she goes to get in the shower, but the shower mysteriously locks itself. And then the shower head starts spraying her with boiling hot water. Yeah, which I'll give this episode credit. That's a horrible way to die. Oh, yeah. Honestly, there's a great shot in the middle of the sequence where we get, like, a POV of the shower nozzle's viewpoint as it's, like, moving around mm-hmm. to make sure it hits her as she tries to dodge the water, which I thought was a very funny but, like, cool little shot in the middle of the sequence. Like, a, a little touches to this episode. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, Kolchak, he, he goes to look into her death and visits the uh, the head of the Trevi collection or the Trevi salon, Madame Treve. Mm-hmm. She's pretty, like... She's standoffish. Yeah, she's not forthcoming. She's just like, hey, listen, I know what you're saying. You're, you're, you've heard a rumor that that model who got scalded was going to leave my show. But the truth is, like, we actually worked out a deal with her and she was going to stay. So I'm as screwed as ever now that she's dead. Like, it, I, I'm not a suspect in this, basically. Mm-hmm. And so Kolchak's like, mm, well, I, I still don't know what's going on. He poses a lawyer and he goes to try to investigate the apartment she lived at. He's like, he's like, I'm a lawyer and you're in a lot of uh, personal liability issues, landlord. So he gets like a look at the house, but there's nothing suspicious at the house. So it's all going very weird for him. He can't get a lead. So he, he heads back to talk to that Madeline character who's been, she's like, oh, good news. I've been promoted to the face of the collection mm-hmm. now because everybody's dead. And she basically says through a conversation that she believes that Madame Trevi is a witch. Yes. And that's why all these things are happening, is that because this woman is evil. Yeah, and Kolchak's obviously skeptical, which is uh, not bad. He's skeptical, but as soon as he leaves the Treve salon, a car tries to run him down. And when he, like, dodges the car and looks inside, it's a driverless car. A Tesla has tried to kill him. Yeah, it's more than that, though, Luke. He grabs a pipe, and when the car comes at him, he, like, throws it like he's a Spartan. And it goes <laughs> through the window and would have essentially, I guess... If theoretically speared the person driving but when the car stops he opens the door and there's no one being driving and yes it's a tesla <laughs> but he looks up to the trevi the trevi salon and he sees madame trevi looking out a window at him <laughs> watching the whole scene he's just like that witch yeah she's just like oh well that didn't work out so kochek goes to a place i think we may have seen before it appears to be some sort of occult club and do you remember the time he went to a ufo conference where people were talking about their abductions yeah, it, I think this will see the same thing. 
I, I think so too. I wish they'd like seed this a little better. If this is going to be a place he's going to go to, it's kind of interesting, but he goes here like the last time he was here. I believe there's a, there's a man giving a lecture about a new novel. He, uh, not a novel. He's written a book on witchcraft and he's sort of mm-hmm. ta- talking about witchcraft and Kolchak's in the audience asking him questions about witchcraft. Yeah. And then he also buys the guy's books so that he can get up to the guy while the guy's signing to ask more questions. And the guy's sort of like, Kind of as helpful, but also not as helpful as Kolchak wants. So well, Kolchak goes. Kolchak's go ahead, go questions aren't very helpful either. He's just like he inquires if there's a witch test. That's right. The answer is yes. They can't be drowned. Bad test. Yeah. <laughs> you kill a lot of people before that one. And then he asks, "Is there a way to take away a witch's power?" And he's like, "Of course. You just have to publicly accuse them of witchcraft." That is how the people of Salem weakened the witches so they could burn them to death. Yeah. I was like, like, oh, you guys. I don't know if that's what happened, but sure. Uh, uh, Just a real, real tough one. Yeah. But he goes to the sort of like um, bulletin board. Yeah, there's an occult community bulletin board. Yeah. So he's kind of looking through that. And uh, this lady comes by and she's like, hey, if you're actually looking for real information, um, this one over here. And she points to something and she's like, this is where you can get some actual info. And so look into that. So he's like, oh, great. So he yeah, yeah. does. Well, she's just like most of, most, of the, most of the covens who post on this board, they're mostly bullshit. But this one right here, they, it saved my marriage. Yeah, I know. She said that. And it's like, oh, I wonder how that happened. I'm, I, now, Luke, you assume it's orgy, right? Oh, it's that? An orgy. Assume that's how it has saved her marriage. Oh, I, you think that's what it was? I assumed it was just a couple therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Via orgy. Yeah, that's how covens do it. <laughs> but anyways, he, he gets the information. He shows up to this uh, kind of spooky uh, uh, Victorian home. Yeah, best and scene of the episode. He's greeted at the door by like a hooded man who's just like, you can come in, but I need a donation. No, no. He comes in and Kolchak says, how much? And oh, the guy's okay. like, it's free. And Kolchak puts his wallet away. And he's just like, but we would like a, nom- like, but a, nominal, do- a nominal donation would be accepted. And he holds it a bowl. So Kolchak puts, it, puts some money in the bowl. And the man in the hood says, not that nominal. That's right. That's right. Very cute. Sorry. Very funny scene. Yeah. So he gets in and uh, almost immediately he sort of like walks in on, I guess, the beginnings of a ceremony. There's a lot of people with the hoods on the court sort of thing you've seen a million times there. That like, yeah, they're getting ready like, to sacrifice a goat. Yeah. That that very 1970s uh, culty thing we've seen but before countless they can, times. But before they can go through with the, the big, the big uh, goat sacrifice, the beginning of the ritual... It's all they, it's all stopped by Griselda. Griselda says stop. That's right. And she's like, we have to stop the ceremony because someone has um, essentially been. What did she say? She, she says said someone is under the spell of a black witch. Someone here is under the spell right. of a black witch. And like the head of the coven turns to Kolchak and says, are you under the spell of a black witch? And my favorite Kolchak reaction of all time is that cuts to Kolchak. He's like, I don't know. <laughs> like he's so afraid. And he says it in the most like sad ways like oh, i don't know am i am i under the spell of a black witch yeah so they're basically like you have to go um you can't be part of the ceremony and then they Griselda, uh what do they say? Griselda says no i'll help you yeah they're like we'll help you i'll write a message to you that's going to help you and what the message says and it's written backwards and i like they're like you have to hold it to a mirror i was like yeah cold jack you couldn't figure that out and what the message says is oak chest mojo bags brass bells copper thread and from that he basically is implied that there is a oak chest somewhere, seemingly with Miss Trevi, uh, Madame Trevi, that contains these items. And these items, they're like, what would you call it? Like, they're um, I believe they call them scrolls and charms. 
Right. So they're somehow connected with with these uh, evil. Yeah, I, don't I know. mean, these witches do try to help them out. They're like, there'd be an oak chest. If you go in there, it's going to have our powers. Get yourself a mojo bag that'll help ward off the witches. And he's, they sort of send him on his way. They're like, now get out of here. You've cursed. You've you've doomed us all. And like. As they say that, like, a pen starts floating around. You're like, ah, the evil black witch has found us. There's a pen floating in the air. Yeah, and so Kolchak runs out, and at this point... Hold on. Kolchak runs out. Before he leaves, he stops and gives them a tip. He leaves an electric uh, oh, money in that tip jar. Um, anyways, he runs out, and uh, uh, they take off their hoods, and the first person you see is the lady um, that was at the at the, the book signing. So you're like, oh, something sketchy here. And she was the lady who helped him to write stuff down. And then someone else pulls off the uh, hood and it's Madeline, the model we've seen. And she gives, which I will argue is the most insane laugh I have ever seen in any television show or movie I have ever. It's just, it's insane. And it goes on for like 15 seconds. And to say she is acting over the top does not do it justice i've never seen anything like it it's very good because he runs out and they all start laughing because they, they pulled one over on him and it, they push it on her and she is just laughing so hard so maniacally i'm just like it's not that yeah. funny lady come yeah. <laughs> yeah like it is it's the funniest thing that anyone has ever heard ever yeah yeah at any rate kolchek then heads straight to the uh treve salon to madame treve's office breaks in finds the oak chest full of charms and scrolls, tosses them into a garbage can, starts burning them. And as soon as he does, Madame Treve rushes in and is, like, freaking out. She's like, what have you done? Madeline's the real witch. I, like, she had, like, a deal on the side with her to help her, like, fashion line do well. But she was using those, basically the scrolls and charms to keep Madeline in check, basically. And now that Cholchak's burnt them, uh, that's all out the window. And as if to evidence that, she immediately starts choking to death. Yeah, and I actually say you as a viewer got a sense earlier on that Madeline probably was the villain, but they they had you unsure enough that there still was a chance you weren't sure who the villain was going to be. And I think even in World, it was a good plan to fool Kolchak into destroying the only defense that would stop this witch. And I was like, oh, that's actually good. It's something that was lacking in the last episode was that little bit of a turn. Yeah, it, it's it's a nice little bit because like Madame Treve gets rushed to the hospital and she's 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 like the doctor's like we don't know if she's gonna make it through the nights whatever's crushing her larynx we can't figure it out. Mm-hmm. Kolchak puts together a, a mojo bag per the witch's instructions, which is very funny. They gave him they actually gave him some useful instructions as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but essentially, this bag will ward off witches as long as he walks around with it. And also, did you notice this like right near the end here as he's putting his mojo bag? He's explaining this all at work. He's just like, I made a mojo bag. And then out of nowhere, he says, he's just like, and also, as we all know, witches hate the sound of smashing glass. And I'm just like, pardon, pardon me? Oh, I don't even remember him saying that. Yeah, he said, he's just like, witches hate the shit. Because later he'll use that to ward off the witches. But I'm just like, this is such weird information to drop on us very abruptly. <laughs> you just knew they needed it later and they didn't know where to put it. Right. Maybe he read it in that book. Yeah, maybe. And uh, Madame Treve at, in her hospital bed whispers to him that uh, he needs to go to her office and find a rag doll with hair tied around the throat. That's the only way to save her. Somewhere in that salon is going to be a rag doll with hair tied around her throat. Mm-hmm. So Kolchak heads over there. He finds the doll. He, he cuts the hair off and saves Madame Treve back at the hospital. Um, but while he's doing that, the, the mannequins have come to life and managed to sneak up on him and knock that old mojo bag out of his hand. So he's defenseless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is when Madeline appears and basically offers Kolchak a deal. She's like, I, 
You let me become rich and famous, which is my big dream, become rich and famous, and I will make you an important man. And uh, sort of to drive that home, she's just like, listen, I'm a witch. I'm going to clairvoyant right now. I'm going to tell you exactly where the evidence that the mafia goons are trying to get from you is. It's it's hidden away in someone's house in this box. So, like, there you go. I already helped you once. I can do that more. So just let me be this crazy witch in the fashion industry, please. Yeah. And then he's like, okay, maybe I will join you. And she's like, Carl, I can essentially read your mind. I know you're not going to do it. So why are you even pretending? Well, it's funny. It's like the, it's like the deal with the devil episode, too, where it's just like, can I have a day to think about it? And she, yeah, I believe she says she knows when he's lying because she's a witch. And Kolchak's response is like, just like my mom. <laughs> so they get into like he starts um he, he starts, starts smashing, breaking mirrors. He starts smashing the mirrors because witches hate the sound of smashing glass. Yeah, um, and she's like starts screaming again, like way over the top. She sort of sticks the mannequin on him, and then he grabs her. And at first I didn't know why I was like, there's just a big barrel of water. He like jams her head under the water to try to drown her. But what you realize is, I guess it's a container of dye for clothing. It wasn't until I did my notes that I understood that. I was also like, weird, there's a barrel of water here. Mm-hmm. But you're right. He shoves her face in and he's like, it's, it's, it's a visceral scene because he's drowning a woman screaming yes. drown witch. Yeah, and it's also a scene where I was kind of hoping the police would come in because there's this happened a few times in the episode where Carl sort of has to talk his way out of just killing someone. Like in the episode where it was like, I think it was like type the zombie type thing and he had to like stab it. And it's like, how do you talk your way out of this? Yeah, it was it was, it was a very uncomfortable to watch scene because it was so effectively as he was watching him drown a woman. But <laughs> yeah. you're right. As And this is, I didn't notice I was doing my notes because so I could figure it out. He steps away from the barrel and she pulls her head out of the barrel and she is completely blue. Yeah. And yeah. Coltec's arms are completely blue. And it wasn't until I was doing my notes that I realized, oh, it's supposed to be a barrel of blue dye. I was so confused as to why she yeah. turned blue. Yeah. And, but there's no reason for it. It's just like they needed to drown her. And they were like, well, there wouldn't be water. Oh, there be wouldn't dye. be a barrel of water. There'll be a barrel yeah. of blue dye. <laughs> yeah. that They just dip clothing in. So there you go. At any rate, Kolchak then like takes off. He starts running and he runs out of the building. And Madeline's chasing with a pair of scissors. And they get outside of the Trave Salon. And apparently... All you need to publicly accuse a witch of witchcraft is just like four people who have to be walking by at like eight o'clock at night on their way to dinner. Yeah, because this was weird. He essentially starts like saying things better, like yelling at her, and then she just starts dying. Yeah, she runs out and just like two people are walking by and Kolchak's like, hey, you two, she's a witch. I'm publicly accusing her of witchcraft. And she's just like, oh, no, I'm I'm in such pain. And she like collapses on the ground. And I'm just like, what? and it's so funny. She collapses on the ground, and then Kolchak just leans against the car next to him, and he's just like, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, what? It's, it's, it's such an anticlimactic way, and it's uh, an anticlimactic way to finish an episode. But it's it's a issue that this show has had, which is the last couple minutes, you sort of have to have him go mono a mono against someone. But they're trying to come up with new ways to do it, and this is not a phys- – you know, he should he's probably physically stronger than Madeline. So they're like, I don't know, he, he calls her names. And anyway, it cuts to the classic denouement where he's he's dictating the story into his microphone. Yeah. And this denouement, I I love it when they're as wild as this. He's just like, anyway, Madeline was committed to an insane asylum. (laughs) Also, she contracted a medieval pox, which scarred up her face. So I guess she's not pretty anymore. And it's like, sorry, what? Yeah. I know. They had to add that in. It's like, if you thought she was going to get out, she's not because she she ugly now. She got medieval pox somehow. (laughs) That's right. 
Um, oh, and then also, don't worry, Kolchak got the evidence about the uh, garment union extortion ring and wrote a groundbreaking piece about it. He's, he's going to be quite celebrated. Yeah, unrelated. Well, they say he, he sent uh, he sent Miss Emily to go get it. <laughs> and, that, and that wraps up the, the witch episode. Yeah. Another two. Another, uh, I would say for Kolchak, maybe two kind of middling episodes. I think they were much better than last week's episode. Do you think sure. so? Oh, yeah. Last week's episodes, I thought, were really, really like bottom of the barrel. And these ones at least were fun. I'll be honest. I don't even remember what last week's were. Don't even remember. Swastikas everywhere. Oh, right. That's right. It was awful. I, By the way, I found a short story that was based um, on that episode about a scene in between. <laughs> anyway. Um, and I don't even remember what the other one was. It's so forgettable. All right. Well, why don't we review these and see how, uh, or rate them, I guess. We've just reviewed them. Rate them and see where, uh, where we're at. Sure. Uh, so there's Primal Screams, our first one. I did not like this episode. As I mentioned, I thought it was boring and i if if uh we were picking the top episodes this would not be in them i'm gonna give it a four and a half out of ten. Four and a half. yeah i really found it boring i think i think it's it's one of it's in that genre we've talked about where they like they've done it a few times and it's like a little wheel grinding like our i don't know it's it's not their strongest stuff for sure i had a lot more fun i loved watching people get thrown through windows i like that the monster got killed midway through and there's just another monster just constantly spawning I liked the shot. I thought it was very effective, the stuff at the end in the tunnels. Like, there was stuff I liked about it in an episode that was very workmanlike. There at least were some touches that felt okay. Um, mm-hmm. And I had fun. I had fun with this one. Way more fun than I had last week. So I'm going to go 6.5. Wow. I think we have opposite reviews from those last ones. And then the Trevi collection. Yeah, I thought this was a, a little bit better episode. Not great, but a little bit better. It had some more moments. And I like that there was a couple weird turns and stuff. So I'm going to give this one... Still not great. Let's give it a five and a half. Five and a half. I think Trevi Collection was really well directed. Like that mannequin stuff should have been the hokiest stuff on earth. And they did a great job making it weird and creepy. Mm. A lot of the, like the whole scene when they go to the coven was both very funny and very weird and like just well executed all around. Like I actually was just like really impressed by this episode. I thought it was very well directed. What could have been, you know, it could have been as hokey easily as hokey as monkey man Hmm. but someone came in with a little bit of work and effort and tried to like elevate the material and i i thought it really worked um uh, by the way the director of that episode uh a a gentleman named don wise has directed two other things we've watched before oh yeah um Uh, planet of the apes and beyond westworld oh okay uh one well before this and one well after this i I would agree with all your points by the way i just think I think it's going to end up being a kind of forgettable episode. Like, like, could you make it a six? I'm like, yeah, maybe. I'm just like, eh, I don't know. At this I don't point, know. I, in this I point in the season, though, I had a lot of fun with these two, and I thought this one was like, it was just, it was, it felt fresher than a lot of the other ones. I liked that there was, it was like that one episode. I can't remember which one it was, but it was like Coltec was on a story, and that story was this like trying to figure out what had happened to Mickey Patrick, which became a thing about this extortion ring. But what was mm-hmm. happening in the background was the real story that he didn't come into until late in the... I don't know. I, I felt it was a lot more interesting and more fun. I'm going to go 7.5. Wow, that high, huh? I think it's one of the better episodes of Kolchak. Hmm. I don't agree. I, what's better? I don't know. Uh, that one with the alien, that was a better episode. <laughs> what did you give that one? I don't know. Probably like a three. <laughs> <laughs> it's You know what it is? You have different feelings at different times. Like... I always find it's interesting when we look back at these 
and what sort of sticks with you. It may not always be the episodes that you liked as much at the time. Oh, I like the episode where the 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 senator became a dog. Oh yes, the devil, the devil, devil. That's a very good episode. Yeah. yeah. Um. But I I just for whatever reason and and again I don't think this is a bad episode. It's just that we're at episode fourteen. And they should be better at this at this point, don't you think? I think this is good. I think this is actually really good for them. I honestly, mm. I actually think this is a, like a solid episode. I think it's. Mm. I think it falls a little flat at the end with the public accusation, but I still think overall it's like I was surprised. I was very impressed. Hmm. Well, there we have it. Well, uh, that about wraps it up. So we'll be back with Molkorchek sometime. I don't know if it's next week or not. I can't remember what we're doing anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but there'll be it, more. In the meantime, you can email us at continuedrag at gmail.com if you want to get a hold of us about anything. And on Instagram and Twitter, we're going to have some clips from these episodes. There's lots of good clips in these episodes. People flying through windows, people getting mannequins attacked. It's like, we have it's to have that hysterical all. laughter. Oh, that laugh? Oh, that laugh's there for sure. <laughs> um, but yes, those are all on Instagram and Twitter, at continuedrag's the handle there. And uh, I guess that about wraps it up. So, uh, yeah. listener, thank you for joining us. And Jordan, I will see you next week. See you then. Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rex Seedler. Produced by Jordan Dulloch and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Hughes.